Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. He's breaking it down so you don't have to. This is Breaking It Down with Frank McKay on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone. To Breaking It Down, Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, musician Kevin Hearn. You know his work from Kevin Hearn and Thin Buckle, certainly from Bare Naked Ladies and so much more. Did some touring with Lou Reed in the past. He's had just a great career, still going strong. Kevin, how are you? I'm good, thanks. The Lou Reed thing is something I just found out about not too long ago. And somebody had mentioned to me that, you know, you met him back in, you know, like early 2000s and you befriended him or he befriended you one way or the other. But that's a, a legendary guy to to kind of connect with. What was the genesis of that? Well, we were both on the reprise label and it was the late 90s. Whenever Bare Naked Ladies was in Los Angeles, we would go by the head office and uh, say hi to our friends there, and they would always give us the latest CDs that were ready to go out into the world but maybe weren't out yet. And uh, I was sitting with Howie Klein, who was running the label, and I asked him if he had the new Lou Reed record. Uh, I guess the record was called Ecstasy, and it wasn't out yet, but... uh, how he said, "Oh, are you a Lou Reed fan?" I said, "Oh yeah, he's he's my hero." I had his picture up in my locker, and I knew every song. Uh, and how he said, "Well, Lou is a friend of mine," and he dialed the phone, and that's the first time I ever met Lou was just over the phone, yeah. and I never thought I'd ever talk to him again after that. But it was a nice short conversation, and I told him how much his work had meant to me over the years, and. He seemed receptive to to the praise, so that was nice. Yeah, well, that's, you know, once again, I mean, that's a guy that's in that category of legendary. And, you know, he lasts even now. When he's not here anymore, he's still there, and he's had enough of a, a legacy where it's, you know, you expect it to go on, and who knows, you know, 40 years, 50 years, people still going to be talking and listening to Lou Reed. He's one of those folks. Let's do a little bit of your history, Kevin, if you don't mind, and let's start from the beginning. Where were you born? Where were you raised? I was born in a little town called Grimsby, Ontario. <laughs> and uh, shortly after that, my family moved to Montreal, Canada, and then... Uh, Then we moved to Toronto, and I went to school right in downtown Toronto, right around the corner from Massey Hall. I went to a music school called uh, St. Michael's Choir School, where music was uh, at the heart and core of of the school's philosophy. And uh, I was in the choir and studied, um, well, sacred music, secular music, organ, guitar, piano, music theory. It was a good good place to learn about music. 
See, it sounds like your parents were pretty cool to do that. I mean, so many people you hear, so many people that I talk to, uh, like their parents were cringing the second they talked about music as a career. Did your folks play? Uh, my mom played a bit of piano, just kind of for fun. And my dad was just a big fan, and he loved the choir, too. He loved going to hear the choir, so he'd drive me to church every Sunday. And um, my uh, my house was full of music because there were six kids, and we all loved listening to music. Yeah. When you have... Older brothers, I don't know where you are in the pecking order, but if you have older brothers and sisters, you get that benefit of having their record collection. Now I don't know what it is. I mean, everybody's got their downloads or whatever, but when I was growing up, I had an older brother, and his record collection became my record collection when he wasn't around. You know, I know it's a huge advantage. Where were you in the pecking order? I was uh, the second youngest of six, so I was number five. Yeah, so you had a bunch of people ahead of you that were buying music for you, basically, I'm sure, right? You were doing the same thing. You were borrowing from them. Yeah, sure, and my mom, too. She she loves, you know, Simon and Garfunkel and Andy Williams. And my, you know, one brother was really into Kiss, and my sister was into Bay City Rollers. And But it was really the Beach Boys and the Beatles that I... Uh, I gravitated towards, and I know those are two giants, but uh, those were really the, the two groups that got me really excited about music when I was, you know, five years old. There were also people who, you know, musicians who concentrated a lot on harmony, and, you know, they had wonderful blends, you know, vocal blends, both of those bands, too, so maybe it's not coincidental that you grew up with that, and you know, even the choir music makes a lot of sense for where you ended up. Let me remind folks that are just coming in a little late or just turning on their radios a little late. Frank McKay here, much more importantly, Kevin Hearn, you know, his work from Bare Naked Ladies and his other project, which is great. Everyone should, you know, get everything they can on Kevin Hearn and Thin Buckle. And where can people see you with Thin Buckle? Do you do the states? I have in the past, but uh, it's been a while, and uh, hopefully we'll be back, but I, I can't tell you when. Yeah, I mean, it's the type of band, you know, you have a loyal, like, cult following, you know, I'm sure you would agree, and people, you know, love your music. You know, it seems more like a side project, right? I guess it is, in many ways. You were just telling me off mic that you just finished a six-week tour with bare naked ladies and you did 39 cities in that time and i mean that's it's manageable i guess when you've been doing it this long but that's just one leg of a tour or that's just one part of a tour how much of your time is dedicated to bare naked ladies well that's sort of my main gig you know and i, I try to do other things when i can um for instance after that tour i i went and did a a show with the Violent Femmes, just playing accordion with them. We opened for the Killers in Milwaukee, um, and I'm going to be doing a couple other shows with them coming up. So I, um, as much as I love working with Bare Naked Ladies, and it's been a long time sort of thing, I, I do like collaborating with other people. And just to tie it back into the Thin Buckle Band, the people in that band I've been playing with much longer than I've been with Bare Naked Ladies. I've been playing with them since the 80s. So um, 
it's sort of a musical conversation that keeps going uh, over time and over the years when it uh, sometimes uh, we're more busy than other times, but we, we keep it going. This is almost a rhetorical question, but, you know, what is having a big hit show like Big Bang Theory utilize you guys for the theme song and it's just constantly played every single day bare naked ladies is played in front of people who probably didn't even know you know a lot of people who didn't know who you were maybe and especially the young kids watching it and all i mean what does something like that do for a band like you guys well we sort of built our audience in the college circuit especially in the usa um and over time, that audience grew up with us and started bringing their their kids to the shows. But we really noticed when the Big Bang Theory show started and got popular, we we started seeing a new wave of fans, uh, younger people at our shows, and we started getting uh, more offers to play at university events and that sort of thing. So uh, that was sort of a, a refresher as. You know, you could put it that way. But also, I mean, it was a great show to be involved with um, spiritually. They're like kindred spirits in a way, and uh, they've treated us great. And certainly having a, a, a theme song for a hit show is also a little bit like winning the lottery in a sense. It's yeah. just a great, op- a great opportunity so that I can't uh, not say that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He's breaking it down so you don't have to. This is Breaking It Down with Frank McKay on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. Let me remind folks once again, you're hearing the voice of Kevin Hearn, very talented musician, and, and you know his work, of course, from Bare Naked Ladies and, of course, Thin Buckle. Everyone should check out Thin Buckle. It is a great project and a great band. And everyone try to get there. We'll get the website from Kevin in a little bit. Frank McKay here with Kevin Hearn. It's a smart show, Big Bang Theory. It's a smart show. It's an intelligent show. And it's an intelligent band. I would say this whether you are on the phone or not. I mean, it's, it may be my favorite band. It's such a talented band. I mean, you know, yourself and everybody that's ever been involved with Bare Naked Ladies. But it's smart. Everything from the changes to the lyrics to the content to the humor. It's a smart band. And, you know, I don't know that there's a good comparison to what I compare you guys to. It really is a different type of band, and you're really in a category all by yourself. Again, you know, I don't want to keep using the same terminology, but it's very, you know, bright people can <laughs> could pick out a lot from what you guys do, and the humor in there, and just the wit that comes along with the music is just it's never over the top it's always subtle i would have to believe you you have a bright clientele or a following 
that the people there, they're, I don't know, I don't want to say nerdy, and it's not a bad thing to be nerdy anymore, but you got a lot of guys that, you know, would be like the characters in Big Bang Theory. It's a very smart band. Well, thank you. Yeah, we, we love our audience, and yes, they are smart. And, you know, we, we do the Last Summer on Earth tour every year, and we always bring out a couple of other acts, and very often we hear, wow, we, we really love your audience, and um, people really enjoy coming on those tours. Who do you match up well with? You know, over the years, you've played with so many different bands. And again, it comes back to the point I'm making that it's hard to categorize Bare Naked Ladies with other bands. But who do you guys mesh well with? Uh, we tend to like uh, people with a lot of hits. <laughs> no, I'm just <laughs> kidding. I don't have a good answer yet, so I said that. Yeah. I mean, when we go on the road, we, we make a wish list of people we want to come out with us, and it's usually based on people whose music we love and respect and perhaps we're even inspired by, um, because there's nothing like being on the tour and you're getting ready for the show or going through your daily routine, and you get to hear music you like, and you get to perhaps turn your audience on to someone who they may not have been familiar with. Um, over the years, we've had a few people that were on our wish list tour with us. Um, some people come to mind, like the Proclaimers. Yeah. Um, OMD was wonderful. Uh, the Violent Femmes was amazing. Uh, Guster's a band we, we tend to fit really well with. Um, Alan Doyle here in Canada. We've had So th that's a, a short list. You know, you mentioned... You mentioned Early on, the Beatles and the Beach Boys, and, you know, again, those are these legendary bands. And who, after that, I mean, usually, you know, we start out with a favorite couple of bands, and then we kind of branch out. Where did you go after, and not that you ever necessarily abandoned the Beach Boys and the Beatles, but where did you start going after that? Once you already developed a taste, once you listened to the Beach Boys and the Beatles, where did you go as far as your taste goes after that. Any strange directions? Well, when I was nine, I was uh, playing with uh, my neighbor, Billy. We were out on his front lawn playing lawn darts and had the radio on, and uh, Walk on the Wild Side by Lou Reed came on, and I'd never heard anything like it. And I, uh, I stopped and listened to it, and... I remember going back home and asking my older sister, Mary Pat, I said, have you heard of this guy, Lou Reed? He has a song, Walk on the Wild Side, and she had the Transformer record. And uh, that quickly absorbed into my collection. Uh, and that's when I sort of started listening to lyrics more. And it wasn't long after that I heard uh, Like a Rolling Stone by Bob Dylan and... And I was like, okay, this is, uh, those were big discoveries for me. Yeah, kind of a breakthrough to a whole different world there when you hear somebody like Lou Reed. You know, we shouldn't pass by lawn darts uh, <laughs> so quickly. I, I, I mean, lawn darts, two nine-year-olds are playing lawn darts in, uh, you know, in and around Montreal or Toronto, wherever. But I mean, boy, the things we were allowed to do and buy. And, I think they're illegal now. I don't think you can 
I don't think they sell lawn darts as a game anymore. I would hope Thank they did. You didn't have any close calls when you were younger with the with the lawn darts or anything along those lines. Well, you know what else we had? Parker Brothers put out a, a game, but it was a Ouija board. Yeah. Can you believe that? <laughs> well, we used to play with the Ouija board. Maybe I had some close calls with that. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you seem to come from like a somewhat religious family, right? I mean, they were into choir music, everything else. I'm surprised they didn't object to the Ouija board or did they take it as if it was all in fun? Yeah, we weren't we weren't that serious about it. You know, my my dad liked going to church, but the, the family in general wasn't we, we didn't live a, a very strict religious life. Yeah. Once again, Kevin Hearn is the voice you're hearing. And again, everybody's got to check out Kevin Hearn and Thin Buckle. The band Thin Buckle is just wonderful. But you know his work from his main gig, and that's Bare Naked Ladies, one of the great bands of our generation. In my book, I mean, the top of our generation's bands or this generation of bands, and they're as good as they get. And, and Kevin Hearn's a big reason why and a big part of that group. Frank McKay here with Kevin. Is it too stereotypical to ask you about hockey? I just assume every <laughs> young Canadian is at least admires some hockey stars. Did you have an interest in hockey, or is it just does it come with the territory? What did you have no Well, I'll answer you as soon as I get my maple syrup here out of my igloo. <laughs> uh, no, hockey was a big part of, of many families' lives. And when I was growing up, my brothers and I all played hockey. And my dad drove us to the hockey games. And my dad got way too excited at the games, and he would sometimes shout at the referees, so my mom stopped coming to the games. But <laughs> I think my dad got asked to leave a couple games because he was shouting. <laughs> there was a referee with a number four on his zebra, on his black and white striped shirt, and my dad yelled, Zebra four, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> That's sort of a legend, uh, legendary story in my family. But... The to connect it to the music thing, there was a there came a point where I fell in love with music, and I sort of had to decide between going to hockey and and piano lessons, and I chose piano lessons. Did I hear somewhere? Are you related, or did you grow up with a famous comedian? Am I mixing you up with somebody, or was that you? Uh, that's my cousin Harland Williams. Oh, Harland. Yes, that's that's yeah. right. Ah, very good. Yeah, I, I thought I misremembered, but yeah, you talk about a talented guy. He's a very talented guy. Were you guys close growing up? Uh, we became closer um, when I was a teenager, and I wanted to go into music. He wanted to go into comedy. Neither choice was very popular with our parents, <laughs> so... Uh, him and I went on this walk one night, and he said, Kev, we got to follow our dreams, and let's get a place together and um, support each other and, and do it. And we always, we often look back in, on that talk and, uh, you know, feel pretty good about, about our decision. Let me ask you real quick about a, a website or a social media site for Thin Buckle and your own website or somewhere people can follow along with what you're doing uh well yeah kevinhearn.com 
I'm I'm pretty active on Instagram, Kevin Hearn Music. And uh, Thin Buckle, they can find through that, right? Yeah, yeah. And anything that I'm doing, I'll post on those those things. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. This is Breaking It Down with your host, Frank McKay, on 107.1 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. Let me remind folks, our very special guest is Kevin Hearn. You know his work from Bare Naked Ladies and from Thin Buckle. Frank McKay here with Kevin Hearn. I'd like to welcome everyone back who stepped away to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with Kevin Hearn from Bare Naked Ladies. Kevin, right before the break, we talked about you and your cousin, Holland Williams. You talked about that fateful walk you guys took and said, hey, we should you know, follow our dreams here. Who broke first, you or Holland? Well, we lived together uh, in this cr- crappy old apartment building, and Harlan was a little older than me, so he was a bit ahead of me. Um, but he had a list on the fridge of things he wanted to accomplish in the next few years. And the, the, the last thing on the list was an appearance on David Letterman. And, uh, I remember when he got to check that off and he appeared on David Letterman and he had made some weird promise to himself that when he appeared on Letterman, he would put peanut butter all over his shoes. So he went out with peanut butter all over his shoes. (laughs) (laughs) But after that, he moved uh, down to Los Angeles. And uh, at the time, I was still playing in a band called The Look People and still trying to make ends meet. Um, But yeah, that's when Hunter moved to L.A. and I, I kept going in Toronto. Talk a little bit about the look, people, if you don't mind, and at what status did you get to with that band? Did you have a record deal? Uh, we were with A and M Records. Oh, no kidding! Oh, that's yeah. yeah. And uh, it was it was sort of prog rock nursery rhyme um, theater, and. It was like the Red Hot Chili Peppers meets Frank Zappa meets Dr. Seuss. We'd have songs like Trucker Butt or Men Who Chop Trees or Looking for a Job That Doesn't Suck. Uh, (laughs) It was, and our shows were quite uh, fun. And we played in the States a few times and we played at Lollapalooza here in, in Canada and Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers really liked us and got us onto the Lollapalooza show down in Los Angeles. And uh, it was a good band. It was very strange and uh, a lot of work working on pretty intense arrangements that were probably way more complicated than they needed to be. Yeah, well, when you get asked to play, you know, especially by Flea at that particular time, but Lollapalooza in Los Angeles, no less, I mean, what kind of crowd are you playing in front of, size-wise? Well, yeah, we, 
I'm trying to remember if we were on the main stage or one of the side stages. I think it was one of the side stages, but there was a lot of people, you know, just because they were at the festival. So it, it was sort of, uh, we sort of fit into a weird niche there where it was um, kind of crazy, like the Jim Rose Circus, you know. We, we did shows with them and we were friends with them and... Uh, I guess Pearl Jam were at one of them too. They were just kind of getting big, and the Chili Peppers and Jane's Addiction. It was a, it was cool times. Yeah, you know, I'd have to believe that was a big moment for the band, for the Look people. Was that the biggest crowd, even if you're on the side stage, that you played in front of, or were you playing in front of Canadian crowds that were larger than that? Uh, that that was one of the bigger ones. We also had a, a following in Switzerland, believe it or not, where we played some pretty big festivals for sometimes up to 10,000 people. Yeah, I mean, how does that happen? Does a single break in Switzerland and then all of a sudden the promoters want to put you on or is it do you land a live show and then that kind of lends to it? I mean, what comes first, the hit or the performance? I think there was a song that was a bit of a hit over there. Uh, called Baby X, and just word of mouth about our live show because it was it was quite something to see. I mean, we had a, a guitarist who was almost seven feet tall, and then this drummer who was just uh, <laughs> doing all sorts of crazy things. And I don't know, it was, it was a fun show. Were you playing keyboards in the band exclusively, or were you playing some strings? I was playing keyboards and guitar, most, mostly keyboards. You play quite a bit of mandolin. When did that all come into play? When did you learn to play the mandolin? Well, Ed Robertson in the Bare Naked Ladies, he's very, um, he has a real country side to him. Some of his songs come from a, a country place. And as we've been in the studio over the years, I've just tried to bring different flavors into the songs, different colors. And uh, I was attracted to the mandolin because I love bluegrass music. And yeah, I got one and and tried it on a few songs and learned it well enough to, to play it, I think. It seems like you play it pretty damn well, everything I see from it. Frank McKay here. Much more importantly, Kevin Hearn from the Bare Naked Ladies is our very special guest, and everyone's got to go to kevinhearn.com. By the way, there is another Kevin Hearn. He's an author. I think it's spelt differently than you. Do you ever get any interference from that? Is he a sci-fi author? Do you know who I'm talking about? I think he has a series called, like, The Iron Druids or something. Uh, yeah, I, I've gotten fan mail for him. Um, people have sent it to me by accident and you know I I got this fan letter I was reading it and I was, they were saying how could you do this uh, to this character are you you know I can't believe you started your your story with batshit crazy and you know I, I was like what is this I don't understand and yeah it turns out it was for the other Kevin Hearn who has a an E on the end of his name. So I forwarded it to him and and sort of jokingly said, you know, <laughs> I'm going to be forwarding you some fan mail. And he said, uh, well, us Kevins have to stick together. And I said, exactly. So yeah. 
We're good. Yeah. Let's touch on Lou Reed touring with Lou Reed. When, you know, I know you kind of got friendly through that A&M phone call and you stayed connected there, but how much time did you spend playing with him or touring with him? Uh, well, once I, once I started playing with him, I played with him quite often, uh, between 2006, I believe, or until he passed away in 2013. Wow, that long. Wow, you spent a lot of time with him. Yeah, you know, he, he was very good to me, and he sort of treated me like a son. And, um, uh, you know, when we were on tour, we'd, we'd have breakfast, lunch, and dinner together. You know, we were, we were friends. He was my friend. And as surreal as it was playing with him, it was also surreal and a real honor to be his friend. If you don't mind me asking, I mean, what was that relationship like? I mean, was he nurturing? Was he like this wise old man and he kind of, you know, teaching that, you know, you said he was like a father to you or you were like a son to him. Was he like that? I mean, I don't know all that much about Lou Reed other than what I hear. Do you see him as like a teacher type or just teach by example? I, I do, definitely. He taught me a lot and he still is. And... um in our off time, he was very nice to me. He, he loved, he had a great sense of humor and he loved to joke around and he, he loved to go to movies and have good food. And uh, I think, you know, he knew I loved his work and I think that made him feel comfortable working with me and being with me. Uh, but when we were working, it was very serious and it wasn't always easy by any means. He was very... Uh, um, yeah, he, he knew what he liked and he knew what he didn't and he wasn't afraid to tell you. And what he liked on Tuesday, he might not like anymore on Thursday. So uh, I remember on the first tour, this is one story that comes to mind, on the first tour, um, we'd done a few shows and I was reading a review in the paper and uh he asked me what I was reading. I told him it was a review. I said, Lou, have you read the reviews? They're really, really positive. And he said, Kevin, I take a word from the wise. I would never read the reviews, and I don't think you should either. One, one minute they'll say wonderful things about you, and the next they'll say something so personal and hurtful you won't even understand it. That's interesting. Yeah. So that's one sort of little example of... Uh, the way he, you know, tell me how he saw things. Frank McKay here with Kevin Hearn. You know his work from the Bare Naked Ladies and so much more. Lou Reed, we're just sitting here talking about his work with Lou Reed and the time that he spent. And Look People is a band that was signed to A&M and I played Lollapalooza and I was part of Kevin's past. Frank McKay here with Kevin Hearn. Let me go back to something you said about Holland Williams, your cousin, and you said he had like a list on the refrigerator, and that fascinates me a bit because it kind of says something about him. He's like a, a goal setter. I mean, you know, just from that one statement, I would assume that he, you know, he had like a plan and he had a goal and, you know, I don't want to say bucket list, but, you know, like he kind of had goals laid out and he was doing it. You met Lou Reed at a much different point in his life where, you know, he's, you know, already legendary status, well past legendary status. And I mean, does a guy like Lou Reed 
from what you saw of him and what the time that you spent with him, was he still setting goals by the year 2000? Well, a guy like Lou Reed, there's no other guy like Lou right. Reed. He was unique. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, uh, but he was setting goals and he was trying new things and he was pushing the boundaries and he wanted to get that new, um, you know, synthesizer guitar that Moog just built or he wanted to try the new pedal that had just come out and or the new microphone. He wanted to make a record with Metallica and do something different that hadn't been done before. He he didn't want to play all his old songs all the time. He wanted to play the new songs because he was so excited about them, you know, and he gave everything in his shows. Every show was like, we were all playing like our life depended on it. It wasn't just going through. This is breaking it down with your host, Frank McKay on one Oh seven one W L I R F M Hampton Bays. That's interesting. Do you find you do the same thing? I mean, are you a goal setter? Are you someone who kind of goes with the flow? Or are you, I don't know, more into setting a pace? It's different with a band like Bare Naked Ladies. It's a group effort and, and everything else. So, I mean, your goals could be different than the whole there. So it's not fair to ask there. But with your own life, with your own career that's not attached to a group, are you the type that sets goals or are you the type to kind of let it flow? No, I, 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 I'd set goals, and I certainly playing with Lou was a dream, you know, and somehow I, I helped make it happen, you know. Um, but also, you know, Harland was a mentor to me, and he said you should make, make two lists, at least. Make one list of long-term goals, and then make a, a, an, another list of short-term goals, like what do you want to achieve in the next year or two, and that way of looking at things has, has really helped me over the years. It was a great lesson. See, that's great. He seems like a very bright guy, and I've never met him. I've never spoken to him. But just from what I see in interviews and just his, you know, his comedy even, he's, you know, again, going back to, you know, intelligence. I mean, he seems like a guy that thinks it out. I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that he was saying things like that to you, you know, and he was mentoring you and, you know, I'm sure others out there. Do you find yourself doing the same thing? Do you have young musicians around you that kind of seek your advice, or are you basically around peers all the time, people that are at a certain level? Well, it ties back. Um, this answer kind of calls back to Lou and how I said I thought I'd never talk to him again. Um, about a year after I met him on the phone, I was diagnosed with cancer, and I was going through a terrible time. I was fighting for my life. I could. I was too weak to even pick up a phone. Um, he wrote me an email and he said, Kevin, it's Lou. I hear you're not doing well. I hope you get better and get back to your music soon. Mm. He didn't have to do that. No. He didn't really know me. You know, as you said, he was Lou Reed. He was already a legendary, uh, musician. So that's a lesson to me that I take with me. Make time for other people, care, show some tenderness, uh, if someone asks for a bit of your time, I, I mean, give it to them. I was going to say before, I didn't want to bring it up unless you brought it up, but I mean, you just did you know, 36 dates or 39 cities rather in six weeks. You know, for those who aren't 
dealing with chemo and and cancer it's a lift to do it but i mean you get through these things and and you've been dealing with cancer for i mean is it 20 years that you've been dealing with cancer well 20 20 years since i uh, yeah yep yeah i mean it's just amazing i mean it you know to look at you on stage i mean it doesn't look like you're missing a beat and, you know, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it's a struggle someday. Are some days worse than others? I mean, are there days that you can't bring yourself to come out there? Well, other than a small relapse, Frank, I, I, I have been considered treated for most of the 20 years. Yeah. Um, so I've been pretty good. And there's, there's, uh, there's times when perhaps my energy is lower or perhaps if I get a cold, it's a little harder for me to get to get rid of it. But... Overall, uh, as long as I take care of myself, I've been pretty good. But thanks for asking. Yeah, well, listen, I mean, congratulations. It's an inspiration. I've been trying to get you on the phone because I think it's it's so impressive to do what you've done. I mean, you're, musically, you're, you're top-notch, but, I mean, the fact that you're dealing with this and there doesn't seem to be any self-pity whatsoever. You're just you're dealing with it for 20 years. I mean, it's not a death sentence anymore, and people, you know, I think should look at someone like yourself and say, look, look what he's doing, and he's battling it. And, again, Kevin Hearn from Bare Naked Ladies is our very special guest, Frank McKay, here with Kevin Hearn from Thin Buckle and, you know, his work, obviously, with uh, Bare Naked Ladies and spent a lot of time with the late, great Lou Reed, and he's been talking about it. We've got a couple moments left with Kevin. But getting back to, I guess, the approach to once you hear that you're stricken with cancer. And, you know, I'm a big believer in positive thinking, and I guess it's easy for me to say that when I haven't been stricken with, you know, something like cancer or leukemia that so many people have. I do have to believe, and I like to believe, that attitude helps. And attitude, you know, having a positive attitude is going to help in the treatment of that. I mean, do you subscribe to that? Whenever people ask me for advice that are struggling with it, that's exactly what I say. I say, your body needs your mind. It needs your mind to be thinking positive and, and believing that it can do something about this. Uh, if you think negative, that, that manifests itself and, and uh, is self-defeating. Yeah, I know I'm a big believer in that. And coming from you, you're living proof that that's there. Look, we got a couple moments left. What can you share with us that you have on your list? Are there other folks out there that you'd like to play with that you haven't collaborated with? Are there tours you'd like to do? Are there projects that you'd like to be involved? If you would, share something that's in your plans that we might not know about. Honestly, I I feel so lucky to have done what I've done that I, I, uh, I just want to continue working with the people I love. And, uh, you know, I'm still working with Harland, my cousin. We have a group called The Cousins that we yeah. put out music under that. And we're working on some new songs. Uh, certainly there's people uh, I'm always happy to cross paths with. Uh, whenever I'm lucky enough to play with Neil Young, which has happened three or four times, that's always great. Uh, I sure would... You know, I'd love to meet my heroes if I could meet Paul McCartney and Tom Waits would be another guy. But, uh, you know, I'm I'm pretty good with also just enjoying the music. So, but if it happens, that'd be great. 
Look, in closing, and I'm going to ask you again for, you know, the websites and where people can kind of follow along with what you're doing. But who are out there that we would know that are bare naked ladies fans? I'm sure there are some folks that appreciate the band as much as I do and many of our listeners would. Is there anybody out there that have reached out to you that, you know, you were surprised or you were pleased to hear? You know, any notable names you would share with us? Uh, I find, kind of feel put on the spot. Well, yeah, <laughs> I, don't I, say it. Yeah, if yeah. It, yeah. You're kind of, you don't want to out somebody as a, by the way, it's not nothing for them to be ashamed of, right? To be a bare naked ladies fan, but right. You're sure, kind no, of, we, met, we met Jason Priestley that way. He used to come to our shows and uh, he ended up directing a video for us and having us on his show, Beverly Hills 90210, which was a big milestone in our career. Uh, Weird Al Yankovic used to come to our shows all the time and I think parodied one of our songs. Um, The Big Bang Theory show, we got asked to do that theme because Chuck Lorre and Bill Prady, who created the show, were at our show. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's... Listen, sometimes you just put out quality music and and a lot of the promotion takes care of it. You know what else, Frank? Yeah. I want to add, there is a rumor out there that Paul McCartney said he liked our band, too. So, And Brian Wilson covered our song, Brian Wilson, on one of his tours. He opened with it. It's <sighs> on a record called Brian Wilson Live at the Roxy. Uh, and that's a real trip to hear. So. Yeah. You know, I meant to ask you about that, too. I mean, that's great. And I have a lot of respect for Brian Wilson already. But, I mean, that song pokes fun. You know, Adam, the Dr. Landy part, the sandbox. and But the same thing with, you know, Yoko Ono. I always wonder what the Lennon family thinks of that. Or the Ono family, I should say. <laughs> Sean Lennon would think of that kind of poking fun at his mom. But, I mean, two great songs. And you really take shots at some icons. But I don't think it was malicious. I don't think either one is. Oh, no. I, we were celebrating them, not poking fun. And, um, yeah, it was endearment. And and Yoko liked the song. She sent us some flowers at one of our shows in New York, which was lovely. No kidding. Oh, man. Well, that says a lot for her, I got to say. <laughs> I, I love lot. Yoko. I think she's an amazing, amazing person and an amazing artist. Well, listen, you're an amazing artist and you're an amazing person. I'm thrilled to have finally got you on the phone and maybe I can get you back for a part two. We could talk about the cousins. Maybe we can get Holland on and, and talk about the cousins. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that'd listen. be a whole different kind of conversation. <laughs> well, listen, congratulations on everything. I mean, your career, the way you've handled your illness and just you're an inspiration. Kevin Hearn, thanks a million for being here. It's nice to talk with you, Frank. Take care. Same here. Frank McKay signing off. Kevin Hearn from Thin Buckle and, of course, Bare Naked Ladies, Look People, and, uh, of course, the late, great Lou Reed has meant so much to him. But you know his work from Bare Naked Ladies, one of the great bands of our generation. Frank McKay signing off. KevinHearn.com. Go there and just check out everything that he's doing. Signing off. Kevin Hearn has been our very special guest. We'll talk to you next time on Breaking It Down. This is Breaking It Down with your host, Frank McKay, on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays.